Last week we started this series called Test Me. Uh, God says in His Word to test me, which kind of makes no sense. And we talked about that last week too because Jesus, when He's being tempted by the devil, what's He say? He says, do not put the Lord your God to the test. And yet there's one time in the Bible when God says to test Him and it's in giving. And yet we also talked about this last week that whenever a church or pastor preaches on giving, we get a little defensive and we bristle a little bit and we don't necessarily want to hear it. And I think the reason why is because of two things that Jesus addresses today. We forget our identity and we forget our purpose in life. And when we forget those two things, we're always going to bristle and get defensive over giving in any way, shape, or form. Jesus addresses this for us today in Matthew chapter 25. He tells a parable, which is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. So he tells a story that has earthly components to it that we understand, but he's trying to get across a heavenly meaning. Matthew chapter 25 occurs during the last week of Jesus' life. He just got done explaining the, what, the signs for the end of the world to his disciples, and then he tells three parables to talk about what the end of the world is going to be like. Matthew chapter 25, we're, we're looking at the second parable in 25. We're beginning at verse 14. <clears throat> again, it, this is the end of the world, again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. Alright, so Jesus is saying that the end of the world is going to be like a man going on a journey who calls his servants to him and he entrusts his wealth to his servants. He says, I'm going on a long journey. I'm going to give you my wealth and you can put it to work. Each according to their ability. And so to one he gives five, to the other he gives two, and to the one, and to another one he gives one. But even that one bag of gold was a lot of money. Uh, most conservative commentators believe that at this time one bag of gold was worth a million dollars. And so Jesus isn't skimping out the, the last guy. He's still giving a lot of money. This master's still giving a lot to this person, to this servant. And then the master goes on a long trip. The first two immediately go out, put this money to work, and what happens? They double what their master gave them. The third, however, takes the money and buries it. Why? Well, Jesus continues and explains why. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. 
His master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here's, what's, here's what belongs to you. His master replied, You wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has ten bags. For whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So the master comes back and he wants to settle accounts. Calls his servants to him. And the first two, you can almost hear the excitement in their words. Master, look, you gave me five bags. I've doubled it and got five more. Master, I, you gave me two bags. I've doubled it and, and got two more. And then you can hear the excitement in the master's voice and the joy and the happiness. Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of more. Come and share your master's happiness. But then that third servant came. And his attitude was way different, wasn't it? This excitement and joy that the master had and, and that the servants had of serving their master, this third one didn't have it. Instead, how did he view his master? As a hard man who takes what's not his and he's afraid of him. Do you think this guy liked serving his master? Not a bit, right? Do you think he had a good relationship with his master? No. He didn't want to do what his master wanted him to do. Instead, what did he want to do? What he wanted. This, this possession of his master, what his master gave him was too much of a burden for him. It, it ruined what he wanted to do, and so what did he do? He buried it. And then accused the master of being too tough, taking what's not his, and being someone that you should fear. The master, though, calls him out and says, you, you're a wicked and lazy servant. That's what you are. You're a wicked and lazy servant. Give me the bag of gold. I'm going to give it to the one who has ten. And then I'm going to throw you out into the darkness where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. You're not going to be my servant anymore. Weeping and gnashing of teeth. Seven times in the Bible. Every time, talking about hell. That's what's conveyed. Weeping and gnashing of teeth. This is how the story ends. With this wicked, lazy servant who gets thrown out out of the master's household. The story is easy enough to understand. We understand the details of the story, but what's the application for us? Especially when it comes to giving. We learn three things from this story. Number one, we are the servants of Jesus. We are the servants of Jesus. What's the difference between the first two and that last servant? 
It has nothing to do with the master, right? It has everything to do with that third servant. The first two are content. You could say they're even joyful about being the servant of the master. They immediately take what the master gives them and goes out and works for the master. But that third servant, he didn't like being the servant. He didn't want to do what the servant wanted or what the master wanted him to do. He wanted to do what he wanted to do. The lesson for us is we are the servants of Jesus. That's who we are. The Bible says, you are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. You are not your own. I am not my own. We belong to Jesus. We belong to God. We are His servants. Blood bought with the blood of Jesus who shed it on the cross for us. Making us His own. This is who we are. We are the servants of God. And servants serve their master and carry out their master's work. And just like this master equipped his servants, Jesus has equipped us. And that's your second point today. Jesus equips us to work in his kingdom. Notice Where do these servants get the things to work in the kingdom, in their master's kingdom? It's from the master himself. The master says, here, I'm going to entrust you with my wealth, my possessions, so you can work in my kingdom. That's what Jesus does for us. He says, I'm going to pour out what I have in you so that you can work in my kingdom. Everything we have Our wealth, our possessions, our home, everything we have really belongs to God. That's what we confessed in the the beginning of the service, right? Everything comes from God. And God has poured it out on us so that we can work in His kingdom and spread His kingdom. What's the work of God? It's to spread the gospel message, right? to spread that message so that God's kingdom grows and grows and grows. And God has equipped us, His servants, so that we can work in His kingdom in doing that. This is what our identity is. We are the servants of God, and our purpose in life is to work for the Master and carry out His agenda. And so here's the question I have for you this morning. Do you see yourself as a servant of God? Do you see your purpose in life to work in the kingdom of God? I think we like the concept. I think we would all even say, yes, that's who I am. That's what I want to do. Until we get practical. When all of a sudden God's will is different than mine. Then we start to transition into that third servant. Do you know why? Because one of Satan's greatest lies that he gets us to believe is that we are individual. Living here in America, what's he say? What's the lie that continues to be presented to us by Satan? Be all you can be. Follow your dreams. Follow your heart. Leave your legacy. Who's the master in all that? Me. 
And we start believing this. And then all of a sudden, and, and how often does our dreams, our heart, our legacy pursue expanding God's kingdom? <clears throat> Not very often. It's more about pursuing my kingdom because I want to be the master. And then all of a sudden what happens? Our mindset goes to, well, this is my money and I want to do with it what I want. Well, this is my time and I want to spend my time doing what I want to do. This, these are my abilities, my talents, and I want, to do, I want to use them how I want to use them. I don't really want to just work for God's kingdom. I want to do what I want to do. And the relationship with God starts to get fractured. And it starts to pull away. Because there can only be one master. And then it leads to this. When, when you get asked to serve, we roll eyes. As the offering plate goes by, we bristle. We, we look and we say, you know what, I'm going to go to church on Sunday morning, but I'm only going to give God one hour of my week because I've got other things to do to carry out what I want. And pretty soon, we start to say like that third servant, just leave me alone. I'm going to bury everything you've given me. I'm going to bury it because I've got stuff to do for myself. When we forget our identity and we forget our purpose for being here, guess what God turns into? That master that the third servant saw. The master who's a hard man, who takes what's not his. God, you're always taking my time. You're always taking my money. You always want me to serve. You're taking what's not yours, God. And we just want to say, leave us alone. Let me just come, hear your word, hear that I'm forgiven, and go on my way. When we forget our identity, that we are servants of God, and that our purpose here is to serve and expand the kingdom of God, then giving is going to be a hard thing. It's not going to be a joyful thing, because God's taking what's not His. I mentioned it a little while ago seven times in the New Testament Jesus talks about the weeping and gnashing of teeth and it's always about it's always hell that Jesus is talking about here the servant gets thrown out where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth and yet what did the servant do he, he wasn't selling drugs and someone OD'd on the drugs he was selling he, he wasn't addicted to pornography or alcohol he, he didn't wasn't a serial killer. He just didn't want to be the servant of the master. He just didn't do anything. And he got kicked out. We all want to be our own master. We all do. We all want to carry out our own purpose in life. But do you understand that you and I are never free? We're never free. The options are servant of Jesus or slave to sin. Or slave to sin. Those are your two options. And we and the devil, we, our sinful self and the devil, like to convince ourselves that when we're a slave to sin, we're free. We're carrying out our pleasure. We're, we're, we're working for ourselves. Everything is great. But we are a slave to sin and that leads to one place, weeping and gnashing of teeth. And as a slave to sin, here's the thing. We couldn't even decide to stop being slaves to sin. As a slave, 
You can't free yourself unless if somebody else frees you. And God, in His compassion, looked down from heaven and did just that. He said, sin, what's it going to cost to free this person? And sin said, it's going to cost your one and only son, Jesus. And God said, deal. And God sent Jesus to come and be our substitute, to pay the price to set us free. On the cross, God kicked Jesus out of the house where into the street where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth in the place that was reserved for you. And in return, what did He do? He set you free from sin and gave you the place that Jesus earned. The place in the household that was reserved for Jesus, God gave you because He set you free from sin. Now God looks at you and He says, Come, share your master's happiness. And the happiness that God gives you doesn't, just, doesn't start when you get to heaven. It starts now. You have the happiness of knowing that you have peace even in the face of death because your life will continue. You have the peace and the happiness of knowing that, that you are guilt-free from sin, that you have a good relationship with God. You have the happiness of knowing that sin doesn't control you anymore. You have the happiness knowing that the God of this world loves you, accepts you, forgives you, and is always with you. You have the happiness of knowing that you get to serve your God. You have the happiness of knowing your identity and your purpose. You are a servant of God, bought with the blood of Jesus, and you get to serve Him in His kingdom. This is what God has done for you and for me. And now we get to joyfully serve and work in the kingdom of God as we spread His kingdom to more and more people, as we spread that message to people who don't know it yet. But there's one more point I want to talk about before we close up, and it's this one. We serve our Master proportionally. <clears throat> At the beginning, what did the Master do? He gave out bags of gold to His servants according to their abilities. He didn't expect the one with two bags of gold to come back with five bags of gold. He didn't expect the one with five to come back with fifteen. No, serve the Master proportionally. What does that look like in your life? What does it look like in my life? Well, if you don't have the gift to teach, don't teach. God has equipped you differently. And that's okay, that's good. The, the good thing about our Master, the loving thing about our Master, is that He doesn't say, in order to serve me, you have to do X, Y, and Z. No, He says, I've equipped you to serve in my kingdom the way I've equipped you. Serve that way. I don't expect you to do more than you are capable of. I expect you just to serve the way you can. Give to me the way that you are equipped to give. This is important because serving our God is not a burden. Serving our God is a joyful thing and it's a joyful thing when we serve in how we've been equipped to serve. And that's what we have because of our Master Jesus. 
as we go about this and we serve in His kingdom, it, it, it's going to be really easy to see all the ways that we fail to serve our God. And so it's really important that we go back to what? We are completely loved and forgiven because we have been set free from sin. We have been purchased and won by the blood of Jesus, forgiven. And now we get to joyfully go and serve in His kingdom until the day when God takes us home to heaven and He says, Come, share your Master's happiness. Well done, good and faithful servant. God be with you as you take inventory of your time, your money, and your abilities, and you say, God, here's how you equip me. I'm ready to joyfully serve you. Amen.